0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Self-Made Mastery. I am your host, Adrian Finch, and this is episode number 85, The Science of Habit Part 1. This episode will give you a greater understanding of what a habit is, how it's formed, and what's actually happening in your brain during the process of creating or executing a habit. We'll learn what the habit loop is and why understanding it is key to being able to build good habits and eradicate or overwrite bad habits, ultimately vital in leveling up your life, business, happiness, and success. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Self-Made Mastery Podcast, your ultimate guide to total transformation. I'm your host, Adrian Finch, and I believe wholeheartedly that anyone from any background can create and live their dream life. And the best part is you only need one thing to start, your mind. So join me here every Wednesday on this transformative journey to master your mindset and unlock your greatest potential. Let's go. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the podcast. I am so happy to be here. I'm so excited to dive into some new episode topics with you all. This feels like really the first like real episode since being back. So I'm very, very excited. Thank you for being here. This episode is going to be awesome it was actually inspired by a book that i'm currently reading called the power of habit why we do what we do in life and business by charles doug Doug? doug duig okay i honestly always butcher people's names i really don't know how to pronounce his last name um but i will link this book in the show notes i love this book so far 10 out of 10 would recommend i'm not quite done yet but it is awesome. It's not only incredibly informative, but it's a really entertaining read as well. The author's just a really good storyteller and he does a really good job illustrating what could be like very dense scientific material, but in a really fun and easy to understand way. Um, I know a lot of other kind of self improvement books can be a little bit more dry and dense. So, This one has amazing concepts. It talks a lot about science, but it is very fun to read. So again, 10 out of 10. Recommend. I'll link the book in the show notes if you're interested. Um, My mom and I are actually reading this book together. She lives in Seattle and I'm in LA. So we've been having like this weekly little book group call and we'll just read a chapter a week and then discuss it together, which is so much fun. Um, My mom's a psychologist, if you didn't know. So, you know, it's really relevant to her field. And then of course it's relevant to me. So I'm always trying to have that accountability with reading. um, So it's been super cool. So today we're just going to start with the basics of what exactly habits are truly from a scientific perspective. Okay, we've talked about habits before and we honestly will continue to talk about habits forever um, because understanding them and using them to our advantage is such an important part of mindset mastery, in my opinion. There's a lot of different theories and practices out there, of course, relating to habits and how to form them and and so on and so forth. And so today I'm going to be kind of summarizing the most important takeaways, at least that this book touches on. And all of it is coming from decades and decades of habit research. So I found it super, super just inspiring and very powerful stuff. Um, This will also likely end up being a multi-part episode because there is so much I want to share with you. So let me know if you like this topic. My DMs are always open on Instagram at self-made mastery pod. So like I said, I'll start with the basics just to break down the science of habits and what's actually happening physiologically in your brain, which I think is so interesting. So we can then further understand what exactly a habit is, how they actually form and how you can manipulate them to work in your favor. So, without further ado, let's just get right into it. So, what ad, what ad, hello, god. Can't talk. It's been a little while. <laughs> what actually is a habit? Well, in simple terms, a habit is a routine of behavior that is repeated regularly and tends to occur subconsciously. So, essentially any behavior that is repeated enough times to become automatic. For example, locking the door when you leave the house, turning the light off when you leave a room, putting your seatbelt on when you get into the car. You know, these are some examples of probably daily habits that you don't really think about doing, you just do it, right? So I wanna talk first about kind of how a behavior actually turns into a habit. How does it go from being something that you consciously think about doing to something so automatic that you're almost not even conscious that you're doing it? And to understand what makes a behavior become a habit we're going to actually look at the brain activity that occurs during that process okay So for the sake of illustrating this, since I can't actually like draw this in front of you, we're going to choose an example. Imagine that you just moved to a new city, okay? You're at your new apartment, you're unpacking, and you decide to walk to the grocery store that you saw just outside of your neighborhood. Like, you know there's a store close by, but you're brand new to the area, you've never done the walk before, and you're not entirely sure where to go. Now, of course, sure, we have GPS, like you're probably looking it up, and Whatever, that's totally fine, and that's besides the point. We're going to look at what happens when we do a behavior for the first time, like exploring a new place, right? So walking to the grocery store, you're in a new city, it's totally new. You're walking out your door to walk to the grocery store in a brand new neighborhood in a new city. Okay, you get it. (laughs) But point is, it's something you've never done before. So if we were to look at a chart of brain activity while exploring this new place, you would actually see spikes like all over the graph right you'd see so much brain activity and that's because your brain is processing all of this new information the entire time you're observing what's around you you're making mental notes of street names and things that you see or smells that you smell things to watch out for or shortcuts you can take like you're literally taking in so much information and your brain is processing this the whole time because it's all new. You're you're just seeing it for the first time. So for example, you know, the part of the brain associated with observing or smelling, those parts would be working full force. The decision-making center of your brain is working full force. Lots and lots of spikes, okay, lots of brain activity. Now, if you were to do that same behavior for a few days or weeks maybe, something interesting happens, right? And you've probably experienced it several times the root becomes more second nature, right? You've learned how to get there now. So it becomes more routine and you, you know where you're going. So you're not having to think about all of those things. And eventually after hundreds of times or however many times, you literally know where to go without even thinking about it at all. You kind of just start walking there. Like muscle memory, you could be on the phone, you could be talking to a friend, you could be listening to a podcast, like you could be doing literally anything else, and you're not really actively thinking about where you're going, the decisions you're making, all of that. It just becomes extremely automatic. It's muscle memory, right? So what's happening physiologically when that happens, like when that transition happens from you know brain activity all the way up spike 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 to you know this becomes a little bit more automatic where you don't really have to think while you're doing it what's happening is that your brain activity as you can imagine actually goes way 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 down while you're doing the thing so while you're walking there so compared to where it was when you took that walk for the first time where again it was spiking so much you were taking in all this information Now you've stopped taking in so much information, you've stopped having to process and analyze, so those parts of your brain go quiet. You no longer need to decide which path is the quickest, so the decision-making centers of your brain quiet, right? And all you really have to do is recall how to get to the grocery store. But even after more and more repetitions of that, even the memory centers... You know the part that recalls how to get there even that quiets and the behavior becomes truly automatic so as the behavior becomes more automatic you think less and less but you're yielding the same result right so that's pretty cool so if you were to look at the brain activity chart again what once was spiking everywhere as we said would now pretty much only spike at the beginning maybe when you decide to like go to the store Right, Then it would go way, way, way down in the middle where you're actually walking there, the brain activity is quiet, you're actually doing the behavior, walking to the store, and then it would spike again when you reach your destination right? and kind of shift gears. And without you even knowing, this is essentially the habit loop that's forming. But we'll get into that in a minute because we're going to talk all about the habit loop. But first, really quick, for all of uh, the science nerds out there like me (laughs) – Oh my gosh, I was going to look up how to pronounce this and I totally forgot. The basal basal ganglia, uh, this part of your brain. I don't know actually how to pronounce it. I'm sorry, but it looks like basal ganglia, but I bet it's not that. It's probably like the basal or the, I don't know, basal, whatever. Just going to call it that part of your brain. Um, It's that part of your brain at work when these routines become habit. So that's the part of your brain in charge of recalling patterns and acting on them and then storing them as habits. So, this process in which basically the brain converts a sequence of actions into an automatic routine is known as chunking, and it's at the root of how habits form. So again, enough repetition of that sequence of actions, so like of walking out your door and walking to the store, you know, knowing where to go, taking the shortcut, like whatever it is, enough repetition of that sequence of actions and the brain is like, ding, ding, ding. Okay, going to store this routine as a habit like we understand this now and then we act out these habits every single day. Now, I'm going to get into like a little bit later on in this episode, I'm going to get into why it actually does that. Like, why does it decide to store certain routines as habits? Um, But for now, that's what's happening. I know that's a lot of information at once, but it makes sense, right? So enough repetition, it stores the routine as a habit. And we do act out these habits every single day, whether you're even aware of it or not, from automatically putting toothpaste on your toothbrush before putting it in your mouth, right? You don't just forget to put toothpaste on your toothbrush, or at least I hope you don't, um, to you know, backing out of your driveway without hitting anything, hopefully. But hold on, I really like that example, actually, because it's kind of nuts when you break down how complicated something like backing out of your driveway is and the fact that now we can just do it without really even thinking at all. So think about if you're like just learning how to drive and you're going to back out of your driveway for the first time, or even if you know how to drive, but again, you just moved to your new house in a new neighborhood, like we said before, you literally have to think of so many things simultaneously and get them just right in order not to crash. You're buckling your seatbelt, putting the car in drive, disengaging the parking brake while looking in your mirror to check for pedestrians, letting your foot off the brake, turning the wheel at the same time, putting the foot back on the brake, all while making sure you aren't hitting anything, and all while probably thinking about what you're about to do next. Like, it's a lot at once, but as you've obviously noticed, once you're a more experienced driver or you've done it more than once, this all gets, like, a lot easier, right? It still takes concentration, but it gets a lot, lot, lot easier until you've done it enough times that you're hardly using any brain cells at all. And instead, your body is automatically engaging to perform the habit. So your brain has stored that routine as a habit, backing out of your driveway, you know, to the point where like you could probably go so fast. And anytime someone else comes over and comes in your car, I bet they're freaked out when you back out of the driveway, whipping it out so quickly. They're like holding onto the handles. But for you, you've done it so many times over and over and over that you're hardly even thinking. You kind of just have this muscle memory of exactly the angle to turn the wheel so that you don't hit the wall. Like all of those things. It's pretty wild when you really break down what's happening. So we know what's happening in our brains when we do a new behavior, right? Try to find the grocery store for the first time in the new city. The activity spikes. That's what happens in our brain. And then we know that the activity quiets once the behavior turns into an automatic routine. And we know that that one part of your brain that I can't pronounce (laughs) is in charge of storing that routine as a habit, able to be whipped out on a dime as needed, right? So how does it know when to engage in a routine? What is actually prompting it to start? Like when you're gonna back out of your driveway, how does your brain actually know to engage in that specific routine that it has stored? And this question actually leads us to the first stop in what's called the habit loop. So the habit loop is a nice little tool that honestly the author of this book, Charles, made up for understanding habits. So it makes it a lot easier to kind of break down what exactly they are and when we talk about things later in terms of like manipulating habits or changing them or building new ones it's really important to kind of understand these three parts of the habit loop so the three parts are the cue the routine and the reward cue routine reward the three parts of the habit loop so let's go back to the question how does our brain know when to engage in a particular routine when it comes to prompting a habit which is the routine the brain is triggered by the first step in the habit loop which is the cue so it starts with the cue right and the cue can be a number of things for backing the car out of the driveway it might be the the jingling of your keys in your hand you grab the keys right it might be walking into the garage Um, whatever was that first step that always led you to the behavior when you first started doing it becomes the cue and the brain spends a lot of effort at the beginning of a habit looking for something looking for the cue like something that offers a hint as to what habit to use so once it identifies a cue the associated habit is triggered so remember we were saying that the we kind of see that spike at the very beginning which is when it's looking for the cue then it identifies the cue and goes into the routine or the habit and that's where the brain quiets that's when these spikes go down and then it awakens again at the end basically to make sure everything unfolded as it should was everything okay are we good do we need to make any decisions now do we need to engage in a new routine and that is why the uh, brain activity spikes again at the end so it identifies the cue chooses the habit And then nothing really happens during the actual habit. It's totally automatic, a totally routine thing. And then a spike again at the end when it finished. So that's the habit loop having engaged. Cue, routine, reward, right? And so the reward is what happens after the habit has been completed. And it's called the reward because oftentimes it is literally a reward, like something that we crave or look forward to. And sometimes it really is just what happens when the routine is finished, right? So when you're brushing you t- your teeth, maybe the reward of brushing your teeth is a minty fresh mouth or a, you know clean, pretty teeth. It's something that signifies that the routine has ended and you have done the thing, right? So like a minty fresh mouth is like, cool, I have successfully cleaned my teeth and that is what brushing my teeth was for, like check, done, right? So like the reward after going on a jog or exercising, like maybe it's the dopamine rush or maybe it's the feeling of accomplishment. And the reward is like different for different people sometimes. Um, but there's always that same sort of pattern, a cue, a routine, and a reward. And that essentially is what a habit consists of. So if we're gonna get a little bit deeper into the habit loop and you know the cues and the rewards, basically over time, we start associating the cue with the reward. So taking it one step further, you know, now we've identified a cue, our brain goes into a routine, and then we get a reward. After more and more and more repetition, after it's been a habit for, you know, however long, we start associating the cue with the reward. So we literally start anticipating and craving the reward before we've actually engaged in the habit. And if you think about it, like that's why your mouth might start to water the second you see a donut commercial or if you even like visualize right now a lemon and like the concept of sucking on a lemon, <laughs> you might start having a watery mouth, right? Like my mouth certainly waters when I think of sour things. And that is actually your mind and body physically anticipating and craving, so to speak, the outcome or the reward just by recognizing the cue. So as you can imagine this is a very powerful idea right that that sometimes just seeing the cue seeing or hearing whatever the cue is just by running into the cue your brain is literally already craving and anticipating the the outcome right so it's quite powerful and this is why it's so important to understand it and we'll talk later about how to actually manipulate that but you know for example this is why for people trying to lose weight, it's sometimes recommended to not even have junk food in your house, right? Because if you don't have junk food around, then then even if the habit of eating junk food is cued or triggered you won't be able to eat it. So maybe instead, you'll reach for something you do have, like a banana or whatever. And slowly over time, the routine of eating junk food will be replaced with the routine of eating a banana. And when the cue that once triggered eating junk food takes place, a different routine will engage. And the craving for the reward of having junk food can actually still happen having not even eaten junk food. (laughs) Right? So... I know that's probably a lot at once. Might sound a little bit confusing, and to be honest, it is more complex than just that, right? But the concept at the root of it is that habits in essence can't really totally be like eradicated. They can't totally go away. But they can be overwritten. So just because you can't completely get rid of a habit you don't like, you can totally overwrite overwrite that habit to become something that is good for you or something that you do like. So you take that cue, you change what actually happens, what the routine is, and you actually will still get the same reward. So as you can imagine, you have to be able to successfully identify the cue and the reward of a particular habit or you know maybe a bad habit. Um, And that can sometimes be difficult and it takes practice. And we're going to work on that in future episodes, right? But if you're able to successfully identify the cue and the reward of a bad habit, for example, you can overwrite it by changing the routine. So let's just say that you realize that the cue to eating junk food is actually boredom. Like maybe you realize, you know what, it's not, I'm not actually hungry I'm not really actually like craving sugar necessarily. I reach for food when I'm bored. Maybe that's what you realize is the cue to eating junk food is actually boredom. And the reward is maybe just a satisfied feeling, whether it's the satisfaction of crunching on something or physically doing something with your hands and your mouth. Maybe it's just like a break from the mundane-ness of the last 30 minutes. Like you just needed a little break, right? Whatever it is that, is the cue that you have now kind of recognized or identified, your brain will still recognize that same cue. So if you're bored and you're in need of a break, your brain will recognize that still. Oh, cue, ding, 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 like time to get the junk food. And it'll anticipate or crave the reward, which is feeling satisfied or refreshed or, you know, crunching on something or having taken a break from whatever it is that's making you bored. It'll still anticipate that reward. But the routine that it uses to get there can be changed, which is awesome. It can be overwritten and retrained. So instead of reaching for junk food, maybe you decide to do a few laps around your living room or stretch or text a friend or eat a banana, whatever it is that you choose. And it leads to the same reward without even realizing it. And maybe, you know, it still might be difficult over time because you might think that really it is the junk food that you're craving. But if it's not, like, you know, the actual salt or sugar or whatever it is, and instead it's it's boredom and you're just craving a break or something to occupy, you know, your attention, then you can find another routine that will satisfy that same kind of craving, that same, it'll offer that same reward. So over time, by doing this new routine, you'll retrain your brain to engage in that when the old cue presents itself, and it'll lead to the same reward. So the cue and the reward will stay the same, but the middle part, the routine, can be overwritten. And we'll get more into this in part two, because this is honestly where the fun begins, and this knowledge really becomes applicable in terms of learning to build good habits and changing bad habits, so you can actually apply this to your life. But that is at least the basic understanding of what is a habit and what this habit loop is. So how are these habits scientifically like actually formed? Like what is happening in your brain when a habit is becoming automatic? And to finish off, I want to touch on why habits form in the first place. Why does our brain kick into gear to chunk together actions into habits that it can automatically perform when needed? Like why does it store these for us? And Scientists say that it's because our brain is constantly looking for ways to save effort and be more efficient, which makes sense, right? So it'll make almost any routine into a habit when it can because it allows our minds to quiet more often and basically save energy and be more resourceful, be able to use the energy that it has on more important things. Um, and as, as it says in the book, which I thought was really funny, but definitely true, is This effort-saving instinct is a huge advantage because an efficient brain requires less room, which makes for a smaller head, which makes childbirth easier, and therefore causes fewer infant and mother deaths. Sounds crazy, right? But I mean, in a primitive kind of way, when you're really looking back at our evolution and the roots, it makes sense. In an even more practical sense that applies to our day-to-day, I think habits allow our brain to stop thinking about basic behaviors and, again, devote our precious mental energy and strength to more important things like, you know, decision-making or inventing rocket ships to take us to Mars. Like, you don't need to focus all of your energy and effort on brushing your teeth and remembering how to brush your teeth, but, you know, it might be more useful to use your energy for recording a cool podcast. So, I don't know. I just think that makes total sense that our brain wants to be more efficient and that is why it starts storing routines as habits where it can kind of whip them out whenever it needs and all that has to happen is the cue needs to come into focus. Also, if you think about it, this is is kind of a tricky situation too because if the brain powers down at the wrong moment, it might fail to recognize a threat, right? Like a speeding car coming down you know, the road as you're backing out of the driveway. If you are using all of your energy and effort on backing out of the driveway, you might miss that a car is about to hit you or something like that. So that's another reason why the brain really wants to be as efficient as possible because if it powers down at the wrong moment, it is not going to be good so that's why it devised this system of kind of looking for a cue something at the start of every habit that remains constant and triggers the brain to start the correct habit and not you know mess up and (laughs) put you in a dangerous position so i hope that makes sense That honestly was all I kind of wanted to get into today. I wanted to start really with part one, the science of habits. What is actually happening in our brain? What is the habit loop? And really understanding the cue, the routine, the reward. I know this is a shorter episode but I'm thinking that the more I get into the routine of having kind of shorter absorbable episodes I can start doing more of them per week and I don't want to overwhelm with so much information in one episode but again feel free to please give me feedback what do you guys want most would you want longer episodes where I talk about everything in one episode or do you want these shorter more absorbable ones. Just let me know because I'm willing to do whatever you guys want. But I know that it's kind of fun to sit with a concept for a second and then build on it after the fact. So there will definitely be a part two, part three, as many parts as we need to really understand how to manipulate habits and really make them work in our favor. So maybe something actionable today that you can do to really solidify your understanding of the habit loop and how habits are formed is maybe try to recognize a habit in your life something that feels very routine to you whether it's something basic like brushing your teeth or you know driving your car or something that you you know something else that you do routinely whether it's working out or whatever it is and try to identify what the cue and the routine and the reward are and i think you'll find that sometimes it's a little bit trickier than it seems right like it's kind of tricky to identify what is the cue that always goes into that habit. Like for me, brushing my teeth in the morning, is the cue walking into the bathroom or is the cue getting out of bed? Like At what point is my brain realizing it's time to engage in the morning routine cue? So I'm gonna do this as well. I encourage you guys to take a couple routines and try to figure out what are the cues and what are the rewards. Because ultimately, practicing this, Like practicing identifying these things will allow you to way more easily begin to override the routines on habits that you don't like, on habits that are bad or that you want to get rid of or break Um, Because again, we can't fully, fully get rid of habits, they'll kind of always be stored in our brain, but we can overwrite that routine element so that we're not actually engaging in the thing that's bad for us. So again, the more practice you have identifying these factors, the more you'll be able to overwrite them later. So that's all for this episode. Thank you guys so much for watching. Whoa, listening. I keep forgetting. Oh my gosh, I'm getting back into the swing of this. It's not YouTube. This is a podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And um, I look forward to my next episode. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Give it a rating and a review if you are feeling good about it. That helps this get out to more people. But ultimately, I'm just so happy you're here. Thank you for being here with me. And I look forward to talking to you in the next episode. See you later.